0: Well, praise the Lord. Thank you so much for coming out tonight for the evening service. And as the preacher said, we're going to have a a brief uh, prophecy Q&A. You know, I do this every Friday for our live streaming uh, Facebook program. We're on Tuesday through Friday at 11 a.m. And what I do is I look at a geopolitical activity around the world and give you a, a plain prophetic perspective uh, on that geopolitical activity. As we did this morning, we're going to be doing the same thing uh, tonight. As I said, we look at the political because the political is setting the stage for the prophetic uh, to be fulfilled. You know, I have a book on my table that I wrote back in November 2017. And it's called Bible eschatology, looking at geopolitical events in light of biblical prophecy. <clears throat> and so that book is available on our table. As a matter of fact, uh, I wrote four books. We have more out there, but we're going to go four. That's on the table. The book that I just recently wrote is looking for the promise of the blessed hope. Why you can still believe in the doctrine of the rapture? Because in the church today, we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. We no longer believe in the doctrine of the rapture anymore. I'm here to tell you this morning, uh, tonight I should say, rather, the rapture is a biblical doctrine. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe in the Bible? Let me, let me see your hands. Okay. Let me ask you another theological question. Find me the word Bible in the Bible. It's not there, right? But yet, yeah, you just acknowledged me by the raising of your hand, you believe in the Bible. How many of us believe in demons? where do we find the word demons in the Bible? How many of us believe in the doctrine of the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the... See, all because a certain word does not appear in the Bible does not mean the doctrine isn't there. And that's the reason why I wrote that book looking for the promise of the Blessed Hope, why you can still believe in the doctrine of the rapture. So not only do I defend the doctrine of the rapture in that book, but I also defend the pre-tribulation doctrine ...of the rapture in that book. So, you know, we have a special going on. You can get four books at $10 each, $40 altogether. The Red Book, Bible Eschatology, Looking for the Promise of the Blessed Hope. And two other booklets that we have, Matthew and the Coming King, as I look at Messianic prophecies in Matthew's uh, Gospel, how he talks about those first coming prophecies and those second coming uh, prophecies. And another book that we have on the table, the orange book, is called The Kingdom, Now or Future. Because we have those that are teaching that we're living in the kingdom right now. Jesus is on David's throne right now. He's ruling over the nations of the world right now. Well, if he's ruling over the nations of the world right now, he's doing a very poor job. We are not in the kingdom now. The kingdom is what? Yet to come. When Jesus prayed in Matthew 6.10, did He pray thy kingdom now, or thy kingdom Well, thy kingdom come implies what? It's still future. And one day in the future, Jesus will reestablish David's throne, in what city? Exactly, in Boston. It ain't going to be Providence, it's going to be in Jerusalem. He's going to reestablish David's throne, he's going to sit on that throne, and he's going to reign from that throne for how many years? 1,000 years. It's literal, physical. It will be a bodily reign of Jesus Christ from the holy city of Jerusalem. That's why when I take my tour groups over there to Israel, we go to the city of Jerusalem, and I tell them, this is going to be your home for a 1,000 years. For a 1,000 years, we are all going to be Israelis. Amen. Because we're going to reign with the greatest Israeli, the greatest Jew, the greatest rabbi to ever walk the face of this earth. And his name is Yeshua HaMashiach, Ben David, Ben Abraham, Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, as I said this morning, my wife and I are leading the tour to Israel, March 24th to April 3rd, 2019, Lord willing. And we'd love to have you join us in the land of Israel. If you've never been to Israel, go at least once (laughs) in your lifetime. It's going to be an 11-day Bible prophecy tour. I'll be teaching you Bible prophecy on location. And we're going to spend one day in Petra. Petra is in southern Jordan. We're going to go over the border from Elat in Israel's extreme southern tip Go over the border, go through customs, get our one-day visa, get on a bus, and drive two hours to Petra. And then when we get to Petra, we're going to walk at least 1.2 miles through a Sikh, S-I-Q, which is Arabic for a high narrow gorge. For 1.2 miles, 600 feet high, we're going to walk through that Sikh, and then when you get to the very end, it's going to boom, open right up on you. And there is the rose-colored city of Petra. That will be the place where God will shelter the Jewish people for the last half of the tribulation period, the last of that 1,260 days. Now, how do I know it's going to be Petra? I just read the Word of God. You won't find the word Petra mentioned directly, but you will find passages that indirectly refer to that place. Isaiah chapter 16, verses 1 and 4. Isaiah 26, 20. Isaiah chapter 63 verses 1 through 6. Revelation 12, 6. Revelation 12, 14. Tell us that will indeed be the location. Especially when you read Isaiah 63. Who is this that cometh from Edom? With dyed garments from Basra. Well, where is Edom located today? Southern Jordan. Who's in Southern Jordan? That's Petra. And we're going to spend one full day Over there, and I'll be teaching you Bible prophecy there at Petra as well as in the Holy Land, the land of Israel. We'll go to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus gave the very first Bible prophecy conference in human history. We call it the Olivet Discourse, do we not? Matthew chapter number 24. It was from the Mount of Olives. He gives the very first Bible prophecy conference. It's from the Mount of Olives in Acts 190, ascended back up into heaven. And at a second coming, not the rapture, but seven years later, at a second coming, he'll come back to Jerusalem where Zechariah 14, 4 says, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives. You've got to see the Mount of Olives. Come to the Mount of Olives with us, and you look at that beautiful, breathtaking sight of the holy city of Jerusalem. The Temple Mount is right there where the Islamic shrine or the Dome of the Rock is, which, by the way, has no brother, no business being here, brother, you know it's got to go I don't know how but it's got to go in order for a third temple to be rebuilt and when you're in Jerusalem I'm going to take you to the temple institute where they're making all the preparations for the rebuilding of a third Jewish temple and we know according to Bible prophecy there will be a third temple there are four passages that teach us that there will be a third temple Daniel 9.27 Matthew 24, Matthew 24.15 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and Revelation chapter 11, 1 and 2, tell us that there will be a future temple, and when you go to the Temple Institute in Jerusalem, I mean, the security is tight, you can't take any pictures while you're in there, but your jaw will hit the floor when you see what these guys are up to there at the Temple Institute. They're preparing the way for the rebuilding of a third Jewish temple. And according to Bible prophecy, that will indeed be the case. So, at you know, if you're interested in coming to Israel with us next year, I want to show you these places, man. Let the Bible come alive to you like never before. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus, uh, the Messiah. Uh, walk in his footsteps, see the places that he saw. Amen. See where prophecy is going to be fulfilled. Your home for one thousand years. If you want more information about that, just let us know. See me at the end of the service. We'll be more than happy to shoot you over a a brochure. Look at the itinerary and all the stops that we are going to uh, do when we're over there in uh, Israel. And I'll tell you, after it's all said and done, after the 11 days are over, you will never read this Bible (laughs) the same way again. So visit our book table at the end of the service And uh, purchase some of our, of the Holy Land products That my wife and I just brought back from Israel I go to Israel at least four times a year I'll be going back there in October A couple of months from now I'm going soul winning in the Holy Land I'm sharing the gospel with the Jews, amen And that's what we do My wife and I passed out 17 Doesn't sound like a lot But we passed out 17 complete Hebrew Bibles Old and New Testament All in Evrit, Hebrew and uh, we went to shopping malls in uh, Nazareth, Tiberias, uh, Jerusalem. Uh, I mean, we went everywhere. Wherever the Lord opened the doors, my wife and I were right there sharing the gospel with Jews and Arabs. And man, they were so open and they received the word of God from us. I'm going to do it again in October with my friend, Dr. Todd Baker, who's been associated with Zola Levitt Ministries. For many years So Zola Levitt Ministries in Texas Sends Todd and I out there We'll be out there in October And I'm going back again in December To once again share the gospel With the Jewish people out there And shoot some video on Bible prophecy While we are there But if you want to go with us in the spring Of next year for our prophecy tour Let me know at the end of the service I'll tell you exactly what you need to do Go with me to the book of Revelation If you will please Revelation chapter number 17 Don't forget, after the uh, service tonight, we'll have a brief um, prophecy Q&A. So if you have a Bible prophecy question, have it ready. I will try to answer your question. Amen? I don't know it all, but I will try to answer your question. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 17. Now, I've preached this many times uh, coming here. But you see, there's always... Things that are going on So I have to update this message, Brother Juno So that I can share it uh, with you Especially if, you, if you've if you been here for the first time Then, you know, this is going to be a first time message for you So you might want to have your pen and paper ready Or just get your pen out and highlight a few things In the Word of God that I'm going to point out to you Revelation 17 Look with me in verses 16 and 17 Revelation 17 16 and 17. And what I want you to circle is this word or phrase, rather, ten horns. You see that in your Bible? See what it says, ten horns in verse 16? I want you to circle that. Okay, highlight that. Do whatever you need to do. Let me read it. Verse 16. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, thee shall hate the whore. Now that's the false church. And shall make her desolate and naked. And shall eat her flesh. And burn her with fire. Verse 17. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. And to agree. And give their kingdom unto the beast. Until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Let's pray tonight. Father in heaven, thank you once again. For the opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk, Lord. And I take it seriously, Lord, when I stand behind this sacred desk. And Father, once again, I pray that you would help me to preach the Word of God tonight, Lord. And once again, Father, please keep me within the bounds of the Word of God, that I not go beyond the perimeters of Scripture. Lord, we don't want to engage in any drama, any hype, or any sensationalism, dear Lord. All we want tonight, Lord, is a plain-sense interpretation of the word of God Allowing the Bible To interpret The Bible It's its best Own interpreter And it doesn't need My help Lord And so Father I pray that you would uh, Keep us attentive Dear Lord As we look at your word As we study your word And that your Holy Spirit Lord uh, Would dictate Every jot and tittle Of the word of God To use me Lord As your vessel Your man for uh, The hour Lord As I preach this message And once again If there is someone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, may today be the day of salvation. That they would call upon the name of the Lord and that they would get saved and walk out of here a brand new born again blood washed child of the King. Father, please be glorified in everything that is said and done here tonight. For its in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. amen and amen. What I want to point out to you tonight is in the future, God will use human government to accomplish his will. And that's exactly what we see in verse number 17. We know in verse 16, God out of all people will use the beast, well that's the antichrist, to destroy this false church that he once had an association with. And God in verse 17 will use the ruler of the revived Roman empire to carry out his will to destroy this false church. It says for God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So God in the future Will indeed use political powers to be in the upcoming 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. To carry out his will in fulfilling God's future program for Israel and the Gentile nations of the world. Uh, we do know that God has a program for Israel. Amen. He has a program for Israel. He has a program for the nations of the world. But he also has a program for the church. Amen. Amen. God has a program for Israel, the Gentile nations, and He has a program for the church. And we know that one day uh, Israel will go through that final 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. If you weren't here for Sunday school, I talked about the Jewish calendar in Bible prophecy. And that final seventieth week or that final seven year period of tribulation is based on the Jewish lunar calendar. It is not based on the calendar that we go by today, the Gregorian solar calendar, that's based on the sun. The Jewish calendar, which is lunar, is based on the moon. And the Jewish calendar has a 360 day year. That final seven year period of tribulation is called in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7, a time of whose trouble? You didn't say the church. You didn't say Christians, it's a time of Jacob's trouble. Now that's Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 7. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 24, he says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. Who's he talking about? Thy people. The Jews, obviously. We know it's the Jews. He says, thy people and thy holy city. Obviously, it's a direct reference to Yerushalayim Shel Zahav, as they sing in Hebrew, Jerusalem, the city of gold. So it's a direct reference to Jerusalem. Those seven years are a time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. I told you this morning during Sunday school that the Jewish lunar calendar is a 360-day year. So if we take that seven-year period of tribulation, 360 times seven, Is how much? 2,520. 2,520 days is how long? 7 years. So if we take the 2,520 divided by 2, we come up with a number found in Revelation 11, 3 and Revelation chapter 12, verse 6. 1,260. So since the tribulation period is 7 years long, the first half is what? 1,260. The last half is what? 1260, no matter how you slice it. If that's how the Bible breaks it down. One thousand two hundred and sixty. Forty and two months, or forty-two months. Time, times, and the dividing of times. That's a Jewish colloquialism to refer to the last half of the tribulation period. So those numbers are based on the Jewish lunar calendar. I told you already. 69 of those 70 weeks have already literally been fulfilled. The commencement point, Nehemiah chapter 2, 445 BC, the 69th week ended at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That's Daniel 9.26. At the three score in two weeks or 69 weeks, Mashiach or Messiah is cut off. Man, I love using that in Israel. When I'm sharing the gospel with the Jews and even with a rabbi for that matter, I said, well... You're waiting for the Messiah to come. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, we're waiting for the Messiah to come. Well, He came already. No, He didn't. Well, then what do you do with Daniel 9, 26, Rabbi? After the 69 weeks of prophecy, the Messiah is cut off. That's the Hebrew word karnat. It's the death penalty described in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 21, 25, and 26. Look at it, Rabbi. It's right there. They won't touch that Brother Juno with a 10-foot pole. And the majority of the time, they'll just walk away. Well, even giving me an explanation, they will just walk away. Another passage they will not touch with a 10-foot pole, and I love using this when I'm in Israel, sharing the gospel, is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is like the plague to the rabbis, and they always tell their people, you don't read Isaiah 53, we'll interpret that for you. You don't read Daniel 9 uh, 26, we'll interpret that for you. And a rabbi yelled at me one time and said, Rabbi, who do you think Isaiah 53 is talking about? It ain't talking about Jesus. (laughs) I didn't say Jesus, you did. And even though they they don't they reject Jesus as the Messiah, whenever you bring up Isaiah 53 to a Jew, the first name that comes to mind is Jesus. It ain't talking about Jesus. Of course it's talking about Jesus. You look at all the personal pronouns there in Isaiah fifty three, him, his, he, referring to one individual dying for the sins of all mankind. I had one Jewish person tell me, and she was a little hostile, and uh, she says, "Oh no no no, that's talking about the sufferings of the nation of Israel collectively." And Isaiah fifty three, I said, "Really? Well, let me ask you a question: How can Israel die for the sins of Israel?" She was like Ralph Kramden of the honeymoon. Is humming, 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 humming. She didn't know how to answer me. You see, it's, they, they 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 shy away from that. They just totally shy away from that. But we know that God has a future program for Israel, and unfortunately, they got to go through that final seven-year period of tribulation. Sixty-nine weeks have already been fulfilled. The sixty-nine weeks ended at Jesus' crucifixion, and Daniel tells us it's seventy weeks. So 69 weeks have already been fulfilled. How many weeks are left? Unfulfilled. And what is that week? A final seven year period of tribulation to come. And those numbers, as I said folks, are based on the Jewish lunar calendar. You cannot fit that in the calendar that you and I go by today. It does not fit. This has everything to do with the Jew and it has nothing to do with you. So we know that God has a future program for Israel as seen through the eyes of the Jewish prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a timeline for the Jews in prophecy. The book of Daniel is a timeline for the Gentiles in Bible prophecy. And the book of Revelation is a timeline for the church in Bible prophecy. I told you this morning that the church is mentioned 25 times in the book of Revelation. 19 times before Revelation 4.1. This is way before the tribulation period. And 6 times after Revelation 19.11. This is the second coming of Jesus after the tribulation period. The church is not mentioned between those 16 chapters that cover the tribulation period in the book of Revelation because the church will not be here. Because of the promise Jesus made to the church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 because thou hast kept the word of my patience I will also keep Thee from the hour of temptation. That final seven year period. That final week. I will keep you from the hour of temptation. To come upon all the world. Not you. The world. To try them. The unbelievers. Unbelieving Israel. The unbelieving Gentile nations of the world. To try them. Who dwell on the earth. So. As we monitor. The global situation. We're looking at major players, ladies and gentlemen. On the screen, major players in Bible prophecy. Let me just point out a few of them right here. Syria. We talked about Syria this morning. The king of the north on Israel's northeast border. Syria is going to play a major role in Bible prophecy. Jordan will play a major role in Bible prophecy. Saudi Arabia, Psalm 83, will play a role in Bible prophecy. Turkey will play a major role in Bible prophecy. And don't forget these guys. Iran, Persia, Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 5, they're going to play a major role in Bible prophecy. So folks, we're looking at major players here in Bible prophecy. I mean, even the Euphrates River. We talked about that this morning. The Euphrates River will play a major role in Bible prophecy. When the Euphrates River is dried up in Revelation 16, 12, that the way of the kings of the east might be Prepared. We looked at all of that evidence uh, This morning So we monitor the global situation And events in the Middle East As students of Bible prophecy And we see the early fruition Of these prophecies slowly unfolding Right before our very eyes I'm talking political giants That are getting into position And don't forget Russia Gog the person Magog the location Where he comes from May God. Well, they're north of the state of Israel. The far north of the state of Israel. But we know in the future, Revelation 17, 16 and 17, where we started, tells us that God will use out of all people the ruler of the revived Roman Empire. The beast of Revelation chapter 13, and verse number 1. The ruler of the revived Roman Empire to bring about the judgment on the false church who sits on a seven-hilled city. And when you read Revelation 17, she's called a woman six times. And she's called a whore three times. Who is she? She is the false church. The Bible even gives us her geographical location. Revelation 17:9. Here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which. The woman citizen. In the tribulation period, at least the first half anyway, she will be in cahoots with the Antichrist. She will be in cahoots with the ruler of the revived Roman Empire. And that's exactly what we see unfolding right before our very eyes right now. Remember the the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had in Daniel chapter 2? He wakes up, he has a nightmare, and he wakes up, Oh man, oh what a nightmare, uh, I need the interpretation. Call all those wise men into my court, I need someone to give me the interpretation. All right King Nabi, what's your problem? I just had a dream of a huge image. Had a head of gold, breast and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, and then 10 poles, part of iron, and part of clay. Somebody give me the interpretation. They could not give uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation. You know why? They were false prophets. But there was a true Jewish prophet that was there. And his name was Daniel. God reveals this interpretation to Daniel. They rushed Daniel into King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel gives him the interpretation. Alright king, here's the deal. Here's the lowdown. You are that head of gold. And I can imagine old King Nebuchadnezzar being all prideful. I'm that head of gold. Wow, I must be something. Whoa, slow your roll there, buddy. Because the breast and arms of silver will destroy the head of gold. And the breast and arms of silver will be the Middle Persian Empire. But then the the Middle Persian Empire would be destroyed by the belly and thighs of brass. That would be the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. And then down the road... The Roman Empire will come on the scene Signified by the two legs But then Rome will Fizzle out of existence as an empire But then will be revived In the future As Daniel calls Ten toes And then later on he calls those ten toes Ten Horns Now go with me very uh, uh, quickly To uh, Daniel chapter number 7 I gotta show you this man This is amazing Daniel chapter 7 Now 50 years After Nebuchadnezzar had that dream 50 years later Daniel Has a vision And he sees a vision In Daniel chapter 7 Of animals Nebuchadnezzar 50 years earlier Had a dream of an image 50 years later Daniel has a vision of animals Wild animals So what does he see in Daniel chapter 7 He sees a lion He sees a bear Oh my <laughs> he sees a leopard. But then he sees a fourth beast that's unidentified. We don't know what type of animal it is. Bible doesn't tell us. Is it a hippopotamus? Um, we don't know what it is. But it's an unidentified beast. So in verse number four, he sees a lion. Verse number five, he sees a bear. And by the way, the bear's not the Russians. I get that all the time. Oh, the bear's the Russians. No, they're not. He sees a lopsided bear. I love how God does like stuff like this in the Bible. The bear is like lopsided, like it's ready to tip over. And that bear has three ribs in its mouth. What in the world does that mean? A lopsided bear with three ribs in its mouth. Well, the reason why the bear is lopsided, the bear represents the Medo-Persian empire. The Persians were over the Medes. They function as one unit, but the Persians were over the Medes. And the bear is tipping in favor of the Persian Empire. And the three ribs in its mouth would represent Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. Because the Medo-Persian Empire conquered the Babylonian Empire in Daniel chapter number 5. So the bear in verse numbers 5 would be the uh, Medo-Persian Empire. Then we get down to verse number 6. He sees a leopard. The leopard would be the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. But then when we get to verse number 7, it says this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had what? Whoa, wait a minute. Did you not read the book of of Revelation, 10 horns? Now, 500 years earlier, way before John the Apostle in the book of Revelation, here's Daniel, what is Daniel talking about? 10 horns. Notice who comes out of these 10 horns in verse number 8. I considered the horns, the 10 horns. And behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. You know who that is? That little horn? That's the Antichrist. The beast of Revelation 13.1. He comes out of the ten horns, the revived Roman Empire, verse 7. Drop down with me to verse number 20 of Daniel 7. And what does it say? And of the ten horns. Horn. Circle that. It's right there in verse 20. And of the ten horns, which were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even that horn, that little horn, that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. He's blasphemous, man. He's arrogant. He's blasphemous. He blasphemes God. And he blasphemes the people of God. Drop down to verse number 24. What does it say? And the... There it is again. Ten horns, ten horns, ten horns. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and shall subdue three kings. And then five hundred years later, what is John the Apostle talking about? And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, thee shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh And burn her with fire. So that's all we see is ten horns, ten horns, ten horns, ten horns. You probably remember this, last time that I was here, June twentieth, two 2012. Now again, if you know me, I take it from the horse's mouth. Amen. I don't go to Bible Prophecy websites I don't go to any religious website I take it from the secular So you know there's no bias going on here Or try to make a mountain out of the molehill I went to one of the websites of the European Union Because we believe the European Union fits this bill There are at least the infrastructure Or the embryo for this future revived Roman Empire So I went to the Press Europe, European Union and notice the title on that news article. And what number are we looking at? Coinky dink? Don't think so. Ten countries, ten countries for a united states of Europe. We believe as students of Bible prophecy that the European Union is this future revived Roman Empire. And they will be the ones to produce that little horn in Daniel 7-8 to come out of the ten horns of this European Union Confederacy, or what they are calling the United States of Europe. According to the CIA fact handbook, in the future, according to the CIA, the European Union will be a political world force to reckon with. Now, go back to Revelation with me and chapter number 12 and verse number 3. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 3. Notice the first personality of this unholy Trinity in the tribulation period. In uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, I'll give you a couple of seconds to get there. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 3, and I'm going to read. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and man, don't you just see that a lot? Ten horns, ten horns, ten, ten horns. Now, this is 500 years after Daniel. Daniel's dead and gone, man. 500 years later, John the Apostle as a prisoner of the Roman Empire on the Isle of Patmos. Now, he's picking up where Daniel left off 500 years earlier and he's talking about ten horns, ten horns. Ten horns. And by the way, the dragon here is none other than Satan himself. He's that red dragon. Now, let's go to the next chapter. Chapter 13 and verse number 1. Here's the second personality of the unholy Trinity who was energized by the dragon to become the Antichrist. Revelation 13, 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast ride up out of the sea, having seven heads and... (laughs) Ted Holman's And upon his horn Ten crowns And upon his head The name of what? Blasphemy Remember what Daniel said? He was given a mouth Speaking great things Well that's what he's doing right here You see how the Bible Interprets the Bible? You've got to love it You've got to love it It doesn't need my help As long as you interpret it For its plain sense interpretation You will notice Doctrine fits Like a hand in a glove But when you start Allegorizing and spiritualizing it Then you can come up with Any single wind of doctrine That you want That's very dangerous You never allegorize unless the Bible itself tells you to do so. And if the Bible doesn't tell you to do so, don't do it. Take the scriptures for their plain sense interpretation. He says, seven heads. Who are these seven heads? Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo Persia, Greece, Rome, and then in the future, the seventh. A revived Roman Empire. Ten countries for a United States of Europe. Go with me to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation 17 and verse number 3. Revelation 7. Oh, not 3, actually. I want to save that for last. <laughs> Revelation 17:7. Seven. Revelation 17:7. Seven. Revelation, seven. Revelation 17, 7. And it says this. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman. Now this is the false church, and the beast that carried her. See the association there? And the beast that carried her, which hath the seven heads and say ten horns. Drop down to verse 12. And the ten horns, which thou stars are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet. For we see, power is kings one hour with the beast. And then when we started off in verse 16. And the ten horns, which thou sawest upon the beast, thee shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Now then I went and I got this article. From another secular website. This is from the Times of Israel. And it says right here. Emmanuel Macron, he's the president of France. Emmanuel Macron is calling for a coalition of the willing. What does that mean? A coalition of the willing. Let me read this first paragraph right here to you. Paris, impatient with German foot dragging on the fence, French president Emmanuel Macron will bring together a 10-nation coalition of the willing next month designed to prepare European armed forces to take action together in emergencies and to bind Britain into military cooperation as it leads the EU. He's calling for a 10-nation coalition of the willing, a, a global European Union armed military force. What do you need a global armed military force for? Well, according to him, uh, designed uh, uh, to prepare European armed forces to take action together in global emergencies But what, is that? what does it get that number from? A ten nation Coalition Of the willing Now isn't it amazing to me That when you go to the European Union website Why is it they love using the Tower of Babel In all of its advertising They hate the word of God They refer to fundamentalist Christianity as a cult They call us a cult In that we have no idea what we're talking about. They hate the word of God. They're humanists over there in the European Union. But then why is it you're using biblical symbols to describe what you want to do in the future? This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter number 11. Nimrod, who was the the, the grandson of Noah, the son of him, wanted to build a one world government and a one world religion and, and, and make a tower that's going to reach all the way up into heaven. God said to do what? Be fruitful and multiply. Nimrod said, nah, we're going to stay right here. We don't care what you say, God. We're going to stay right here. We're going to be one people. We're going to be one government. We're going to be one language. And we don't care what God says. Let's build that tower that it will reach all the way up over over into heaven. God said, oh yeah, you want to play that game with me? So here they are working on that tower. That tower there. Hey Bill, pick up those bricks and bring them over there. Hey, bring that water and blah 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 blah. Hey Fred, what did he say? I think he said Now they're babbling. One guy can't understand the other guy anymore. And what happened? They were terrified. Boom! They all took off from building that tower. Did you know we have sixty nine hundred different dialects in the world today? It's a lot of languages. It goes all the way back there. Genesis chapter. When I look at all these different dialects say, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of rebellion. Rebellion against a holy, righteous God. And yet, when you go to the European Union website today, they use the Tower of Babel, ladies and gentlemen, in all of their advertising. You know what the word Nimrod means? <laughs> Let us rebel. And that's exactly what him and his people did. So that's an artist's rendition of Nimrod's Tower of Babel. So why don't we take a look at the European Union headquarters? Is it me? Or do we see something here? Look at this. Look at that. That's the European Union headquarters located in Brussels, Belgium. They built that headquarters to look... (laughs) like Nimrod's Tower of Babel. Folks, you're looking at a symbol of rebellion against God. What they're saying is, we're going to pick up where Nimrod left off. Go home and Google European Union Tower of Babel and you'll see all the different pictures that the European Union itself uses of the Tower of Babel. There are many voices, but we're going to be the sole voice for all those dialects in the world today. Back up with me to Revelation 17 and verse number 3. Revelation 17, 3. This is what I wanted to say for last right here. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy. Having seven heads and ten horns. European Union, ten countries for the United States of Europe. French President Emmanuel Macron, just this past June, we need to put together a ten nation coalition of the willing. 500 years earlier, Daniel's talking about ten horns, ten horns, ten horns. 500 years later, John the Apostle in Revelation, ten horns, ten horns, ten horns, ten horns. Ten horns. And yet we just read in Revelation 17.3 A woman sitting on a scarlet colored beast Full of names of blasphemy Having seven heads and ten horns Now let's go to Strasbourg, Germany And look at the, the statue that is in front of the European Union headquarters Out there What in the world are we looking at here? In front of an EU headquarters in Strasbourg, Germany? What is that doing there? Where did they get that from? I mean, did they just happen to read Revelation seventeen three? You say, well, that's a great idea, guys. Why don't we just construct it? These guys are fulfilling Bible prophecy. And they don't even know it. A, a woman sitting on some type of a beast in front of the EU headquarters in Strasbourg, Germany. That image, it's on it's on their coins, their currency, it's on their postal stamps, it's replete all over those 28 member states in the European Union. There are 28 member states. Now, Britain is about to do what? Brexit, right? You, you've heard about Brexit. Britain is about to leave the European Union. But in either case, whether they stay or whether they leave, The EU said they will divide those 28 member countries of the European Union into 10 regions or 10 divisions. All we going to read about with these guys is 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. And that's exactly what Bible prophecy calls for, does it not? A 10 nation revived Roman Empire. And these 10 nations will give global authority... To the Antichrist when he comes on the scene. When the Antichrist has everything that he needs. All the military at his fingertips. The wealth at his fingertips. He's going to look at that false church, that woman, that whore and say, I don't need you anymore. I have everything that I want. And he's going to what? Destroy the false church. God out of all people, according to Revelation 17, 16, God, out of all people, will use the beast to destroy this harlot, this woman, this false church, by the way, who is alive and well on planet earth today, who sits on a seven-hilled city in Rome. And isn't it interesting, folks, that the European Union and the Vatican are like this? They're tight, man. They endorse one another. One a political head and one a religious head. But that honeymoon will be short-lived. Because when it's all said and done, And the ten horns which thou upon the beast, He shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Why will God, out of all people, use the Antichrist? To destroy this false church. I'll tell you why. Because the Vatican has so much blood on its hands, it's not even funny. We're talking the Spanish Inquisitions. We're talking the programs. And she kept her mouth shut when Adolf Hitler systematically murdered 6 million Jews. She kept her mouth shut. And never said a word about anything. We had a Catholic lady join us on our Bible prophecy tour. Maybe about seven, eight years ago. She got saved on the tour, by the way. Glory (laughs) to God. She came as a Roman Catholic. We went to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem called Yad Vashem. And we were going in all these different rooms there. And man, I will tell you, if you walk out dry-eyed, you're not human. She saw something that horrified her and she lost it. She stops, calls me, brother. Zardo! brother Zardo! I'm like, what in the world? I go over there, she is bawling. I mean, she's got tears coming down her eyes. And I notice what upset her. She was standing next to a large illuminated picture of Pope Pius Sixteenth sitting on his little throne, hand stretched out with a Nazi, kissing his ring. And the picture next to that was a large ditch filled with Jewish bodies that just came out of the oven. On one side of the ditch were a row of neo-Nazis doing this. On the other side of the ditch were a row of Roman Catholic cardinals doing this. She looked at me, and this is exactly what she said, and I'll never forget it. She says, today I am ashamed to call myself a Roman Catholic. When we got her to the hotel, she got saved. Now listen, I'm not picking on, I know there are born again Roman Catholics all day. I'm not picking on Roman Catholics. I'm not attacking anybody personally, but I am attacking a philosophy that departs from the authority of the word of God. Pastor John Juno is not your authority in terms of Biblical authority He may be God's man who has the authority to preach the word of God behind his pulpit, amen but he's not your final authority August Rosado is not your final authority Pope Francis is not your final authority the word of God is your final authority the Bible in the Bible alone is your final authority not some guy dressed in some religious fancy outfit there in the Vatican or some preacher that stands behind this pulpit here. The Bible, the Word of God, is your final authority. In all faith and manner and practice. And don't let anybody tell you different. She's got so much blood on her hands. Because she has murdered God's people throughout the ages. Don't believe me? Go into any library. Go into any Christian bookstore, get a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you'll see exactly who I'm talking about. Who was responsible for murdering God's people throughout the ages. Remember that movie John Huss? He was put to death by the Pope. You know why? This was his crime. The Bible is the final authority and not the papacy. And he was put to death over that statement. When he was on that stake They gave him one final opportunity to recant He said I'm not going to recant The Bible is my final authority Not the papacy They lit him on fire alive And according to witnesses there This is the song that he sang Jesus thou son of David Have mercy on me Jesus thou son of David Have mercy on me They put to death John Tyndale And many others like him Spanish inquisitions She's got blood on her hands ladies and gentlemen That's what Revelation chapter 17 and verse 6 says John said I saw the woman drunken With the blood of the saints And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus And when I saw her I wondered with great admiration Revelation 18 24 says And her was found the blood of prophets And saints and all that was slain upon the earth That's the reason why God Out of all people uses the beast To destroy the false church In Revelation chapter 17 verse 16. Now either you can take the word of God for what it says. Or reject the word of God for what it says. And hold on to your own personal beliefs. But let me tell you this. This word of God trumps your own personal beliefs. It is the final authority. So we clearly see in Revelation 17 politics playing a role to carry out God's will and fulfilling His word. God is going to use a godless political system, the revived Roman Empire, to destroy the false church who has much blood on its hands. So then, as we race toward the next major event we call the rapture of the church, we see major political powers getting into position. See these three dangerous individuals here? I think you know who they are. Huh. Let me let me just refer to them by their biblical names. Ezekiel thirty-eight five Persia. Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight verses two and six. Meshech, Tubal, Gomer, Togarmah. Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight verse two. Gog, Magog. President of Russia, Vladimir Putin. The president of Turkey, a radical Islamist, Tayyip Erdogan, and now. Turkey and U.S. relations are at all time low. You know why? This guy has imprisoned a pastor. A man of God. On Trump up charges. This guy did nothing wrong. But they're using him as bait. You know why? Because they want President Trump to extradite a man, an Arab guy who lives in Pennsylvania, whom Turkey believes was responsible for trying to overthrow that Turkish government back in, I think it was like two or three years ago. They believe that guy was responsible. And the U.S. refuses to extradite this guy to Turkey. So now, we've got to play with something here. Why not arrest a pastor? Why not arrest a Christian? Let's use him as a bargaining chip. These guys are not fooling anybody. This guy is a radical He's calling upon the Muslim world To invade the state of Israel And take Jerusalem From the Jews That's never going to happen If I understand Bible prophecy correctly These guys In 1936 changed their name From Persia To Iran Hassan Nasrallah The president of Iran Calling for Israel to be wiped off the face of the earth They, They say that every single day What if Israel was to say, we're going to wipe Iran off the face of the planet. And by the way, Israel can do it if they want to. We're going to wipe Iran off the face of the planet. Oh, the United Nations will take a conniption fit. Oh, we need to condemn Israel for what they just said. But these guys say it every single day. And the UN is... That's what they do. Whenever it comes to Israel. They're always condemning Israel for defending themselves. And yet Russia... And of course, we talked about these guys already, right? A 200 million man army, Revelation 9:15, Revelation 16:12, coming over the dried up Euphrates River. 200 million man army. We're talking about China here, and then Russia, had a warning for Israel that if you attack Syria again, look at the word that they used: <coughs> catastrophic. Russia said to warn of the catastrophic result. If Israel hits its S-300 missiles there in Syria. Catastrophic? That's a pretty strong word. If you hit Syria again, it's going to be catastrophic for you, Israel. But that shouldn't surprise you and I as students of Bible prophecy. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 talks about a Russian-led Arab coalition of nations that will come up against Israel in the end times. And in Psalm 83, an Arab confederacy of nations to attack the state of Israel. Daniel 11, to 45, an Arab attack upon the state of Israel. And what do they want to do? They want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. But I think there is a God of heaven who neither slumbers nor sleeps. His eyes are on that land every single day. I heard a rabbi say God created the world in 6 days Genesis one thirty one. on the 7th day rested Genesis two two. and God created the special day and called it the 8th day and on the 8th day God told the world don't mess with the Jews. Because when these guys come up against Israel they're going to find out the hard way. He that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. That's Zechariah chapter 2 And verse number 8. When these nations come up against Israel, they themselves, ladies and gentlemen, they will be destroyed. That's the reason why we look at the political. Because we know the political is setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. The Ezekiel 38-39, God may God walk. Looking at this map of the Middle East right here Magog was the son of Japheth, the son of Noah That's Genesis chapter 10, verses 1-3 through When he broke away from his brothers He settled north of the Caspian and Black Sea Well, that's where Russia is today So you don't need a PhD to figure that one out And then in Ezekiel 38, 2 and 6 Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, Togamah They settled south of the Caspian and Black Sea They were the brothers of uh, of, uh, Magog They settled south of the Caspian and Black Sea Well, who's there today? Turkey and their radical president Tayyip Erdogan, and then Israel will come under attack by Persia, modern day Iran. They're going to come from the east, and then Libya. They're going to attack from the west, and then Ethiopia, Sudan, Somalia, Ezekiel 38:5. They're going to attack from the south. All these guys are going to be destroyed. When they come up against the Jewish state of Israel. We talked about this this morning. Daniel 11 verse number 40. Israel will come under attack from the king of the south. And from the king of the north. King of the north on Israel's northeast border. That would be uh, Syria. And Egypt on Israel's southern border. They will come up against the Jewish people. They themselves will be destroyed by the ruler of the revived Roman Empire. The Antichrist. Because of that confirmation peace treaty in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 between Israel and the beast of Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 1. Folks, look, major players here. As a matter of fact, you can write Psalm 83 right on this right here. Psalm 83 would involve Saudi Arabia. Psalm 83 will involve Iraq. I mean, Psalm 83... Involves those nations that pretty much share share a common border with Israel. Uh, Jordan, they share a common border uh, with Israel. They will all come up against the Jewish state of Israel in an attempt to annihilate her. But again, God has other plans. And when it's all said and done, the only ones who are going to be standing are Israel. Either toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. God will defend Israel. His people. Amen. God will defend the Jewish people. So we got the rapture of the church. That's the next main event on God's calendar of events. We got a seven year period of tribulation. Following that will be the revelation of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Back to this earth. And with the Antichrist, the ruler of the revived ten nation confederacy. Will bring all the nations against the Jewish people. And just as they're about to annihilate the state of Israel, all of a sudden, the heavens open like a scroll. <laughs> they see a rider coming back on a white horse. And there was a massive army following him from heaven. And John the Apostle picks that up in Revelation 19, 11-16. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness doth the judge and make war. His eyes was a flame of fire. Upon his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew, but he himself, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. I believe that would be the prayer of the Talith, like we have on our table. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Are you ready for your cue? This is where we come in in Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him Upon white horses Clothed in fine linen, white and clean What army is John talking about? The army that was raptured seven years earlier Is coming back with him seven years later verse 15 says out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress and the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God and verse 16 says upon his vesture and upon his thigh was a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords in Hebrew Melech Hamelachim King of Kings and Lord of Lords he will destroy the Antichrist and the false prophet of Revelation 13 11. And cast those two bozos into a lake of fire. What happens with Satan at this time? He's bound in the bottomless pit. And he's sealed in that bottomless pit for how long? 1,000 years. But at the end of the 1,000 years, he's released from that pit. Why? Because God said so. And he'll try to overthrow the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Fire will come down from heaven, destroy him and his followers. And I love Revelation chapter 20 verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are. And shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. So whenever that lousy devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. He's got a lake of fire waiting for him one day. And that's what Paul the Apostle said in Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. I can't wait for that day. had a guy ask me during the prophecy Q&A one time. Are we going to fight alongside the Lord Jesus Christ? He doesn't need you. (laughs) He doesn't need me. Amen. All he does is speak. And they drop dead. That sword that comes out of his mouth. All he does is speak and man, they drop dead. And the Bible tells us eternity will begin after that kingdom reign of Christ. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. There's going to be a new Jerusalem that comes down. And you and I will live with the Lord Jesus Christ for the rest of eternity. Man, what a day, glorious day that's going to be. So, before you have eternity, before you can have a kingdom, before you can have an armageddon, before you can have a second coming, before you can have a seven year period of tribulation, the next main event is the rapture of the church. Is the baby asleep? <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> it happens all the time with babies. Don't to, I blow the shofar, and man, ah! I mean, they, let's see what happens here. We don't look for signs. You know why? There are no signs that precede the rapture, there are no prophecies that have to be fulfilled. The rapture is an imminent event that could happen at any moment, at any time. So we don't look for signs. As exciting as this stuff is, we don't look for signs. But we are listening for the sound of a shofar, a trumpet. Lincoln of an eye. Dang. We're out of here. Amen. Jesus Christ is going to take us to the Father's house. As I said this morning, we're going to partake in a beautiful Jewish wedding. You see, in Israel today, they've been doing this for 2,000 years. The bride and the bridegroom have a honeymoon for seven days. When we get to heaven, and we're with our bridegroom, we will be in heaven for how long? Seven years. While the earth below goes through a seven-year period of tribulation. And at the end of that seven years, we're mounted back on white horses, coming back with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm so glad that we are on the winning side Amen No, those guys And I know other guys They hold different positions concerning The rapture But I never hear any of them saying Man I'm so looking forward to go through the tribulation period <laughs> Oh brother Juno I can't wait for the first three and a half years man Oh it's going to be sweet Oh I can't wait for the last three and a half years man Oh man Oh I can't wait to go through all You never hear them talk like that What type of blessing hope is that but for those who hold to a pre-tribulation rapture You can talk that way That's why Jesus said in John 14 1, Let not your heart be troubled That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians four eighteen, Comfort one another with these words Because if you and I are going through any part Of the tribulation period There's nothing comforting about that The best that I can say to you tonight Is find the nearest cave and hide under a rock That's the best I can do for you tonight No blessed hope to look forward to But no There is a blessed hope That's Titus 2.13 Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to look for the Antichrist. Nowhere. But there are many passages in the New Testament that tell you to look for who? Jesus Christ. Because He is the promise of our